Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the China Beast podcast, Moda. Today is Saturday the 1st of December and coming up in today's show we have a pattern pick in honour of November and an interview with Carlay from Nurturing Fibers. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6, it is lovely to be back. Welcome to any new listeners that may just have joined us and a big welcome back to any returning listeners that have listened to the podcast before. It's always nice to have you here with me. I would like to say a special hello to my new listener in Peru because I'm so rock and roll these days. I have listeners in Peru, George. Hi, George. George is a friend of my husband's from university and they have been working together on some projects, some application developing, because George does that for a living. And in the meantime, my husband told me about my podcast and he's been listening to it. Not sure how helpful it's been with developing world-class applications for the iPad, but I understand he quite enjoys it. So hi, George. Hope you aren't working too hard. At the moment, I am back in the UK. And I haven't mentioned it before, but have sort of mentioned it in passing in a few places. And people have said, you're not going back forever, are you? Are, are you done in South Africa now? And no, I'm not finished in South Africa. I will be back to South Africa at the end of February. But I'm back in the UK for Christmas to visit family and friends. And also we are expecting another baby. And it is due at the end of January. It will be a boy or a girl, and it will be British because it will be born here. (laughs) Obviously, flying about when you're that pregnant isn't a great idea, so I will be staying here until after the baby is born. This has presented some problems in terms of separation from my stash, which is all in South Africa and is a long way away. And some people might say that is a good excuse to go out and buy loads more stash, but... For reasons that I will explain later, I have decided to limit myself to the three IKEA boxes that I stole from Her Britannic Majesty as my stash and anything that I want to keep has to go in those boxes and if it doesn't fit in the box then something must come out of the box. But clearly transporting three boxes of that size is not financially viable. So I put all of the nice stuff that I wanted in my suitcase which took up pretty much half of the suitcase but When you're this pregnant, you don't have much of a wardrobe anyway, which is another conversation we'll probably have later. And brought all of that across. So I have some plans for that. So there will be a Whipping Piccadilly section next time to let you know how we're getting on and what other things I've cast on. But there has also been some discussion of late at reference knitting guilt because I haven't knit anything yet for the new baby. And I was wondering if anybody knows how long it is socially acceptable for a knitter to not have knit something for her new child. (laughs) I have got some yarn there to knit something for him slash her, but I haven't actually cast it on yet because I've been doing all this other stuff. So, yeah, feeling slightly guilty. I have got another eight, eight weeks or so, hopefully, to to make something and I suppose you know when you're in labor you don't really have anything else to do so I could just crack something out then but I have a couple of gifts that I was very kindly given by a couple of people so the shiny baby number two does have some hand knits but they're not done by me (laughs) 
So I think maybe I must just cast something on in the meantime. So if anyone has any recommendations for any very quick knits that can alleviate uh, you know, mother's guilt, then please do let me know. Today, as I mentioned, is the 1st of December. White rabbits, white rabbits. So, and it is also World AIDS Day. So hopefully you will have seen lots of things on the TV about raising awareness about HIV AIDS, which is a huge problem in South Africa. There are 5.3 million people infected in South Africa. Um, out of the 34 million people globally who are affected by HIV. They're doing quite well in South Africa in reducing the rate of new infections because it is a big thing and there are so many awareness programmes about knowing your status and being careful what you're doing. Uh, but in the UK, it's actually the reverse of that and there's quite a big problem with an increase in the number of new infections. There are 100,000 people with HIV already in the UK, but because it isn't seen as such a big problem as it is in South Africa, I think a lot of people just don't really take that risk on board. And because people don't know whether they're positive or not, they can go around and accidentally infect other people. So the big message is know your status, people. Be careful what you are doing. Take the appropriate precautions and everything should be fine. So I've been watching that with quite a lot of interest. Also, before I left South Africa, you will be pleased to hear that we managed to deliver most of the Santa shoe boxes. There is just one lot of boxes left to deliver to a school where the children couldn't be there because an event was cancelled, so we cancelled our event as well. It was very, very exciting. The children were so pleased. And it was a lot of work, but it was quite emotionally draining as well because... It just brings home the differences between those that have and have not. My mum was over in South Africa on holiday and I took her along to help. And we gave her all of the, the gifts and the children opened them and some of them were eating the sweeties because sweeties is one of the things you have to put in the box of the list of things. And they, they really don't get sweeties very often. And someone suggested at some point on, I think, on the Facebook page for Santa Shoebox that maybe we must give them dried fruit instead because it's healthier. And the shoebox people said, well, actually, you know, they really never get any sweeties. And I saw proof of that because when they opened the sweeties and they were opening the lollies, the lollipops, they were trying to eat the lollipops with the paper still on because they didn't realise that the paper came off. Because that's how often they get lollipops. And I just thought, oh bless. And it made matters worse that these were the most difficult wrappers to get off in the entire world. And there's nothing like the peer pressure of 20 kids huddling around you, holding out their lollies, basically gesticulating to say, unwrap my lolly please, teacher. And um, and you can't unwrap them quick enough because they're so, so well wrapped. But yeah, the children seem to really, really enjoy themselves. That was a nice kind of wrap up for us uh, from all the hard work throughout the year. So as you know I'm in the UK at the moment and I'm here on my own. My husband and Her Britannic Majesty are still in South Africa. She doesn't really like the weather in the UK very much anyway, especially not in winter because she thinks she's South African now. And my husband had to go to work so he's offered to bring her back with him when he comes back which would make travelling back for me in my current state a little bit easier but 
I think it is only fair that they get a show tote as well. So, hi Millie. Hello Beasticles. Hope you aren't having too much fun without me. See you soon. <laughs> so, they have been apparently listening to my podcast because it's very quiet in the house without me and it's also extremely tidy in the house without me. In other news, next weekend, which is the 8th of December, I'm very excited about this, <laughs> I've been invited to join the December podcaster hangout with Martine from iMake and Laura from Apocalyptic Diner and also Amanda from Craft Life, which is just super exciting. I feel like I've kind of almost made it, that like I'm almost famous <laughs> So, the, like I said, the the podcast hangout, the uh, Martina's done a couple already, um, which I haven't had a chance to watch because obviously that much video streaming to my my computer in South Africa is just never gonna work. So I've been managing to catch up on those while I've been back. It will take place next Saturday, the eighth of December, at seven o'clock uh, GMT, which will be the time for me and Martine which is 9 o'clock in South African Standard Time or Central African Time for my South African listeners. That's 2pm Eastern Standard Time and 1pm Central Standard Time, I think. But you can use timeanddate.com to work out what time that will be taking part, place in your part of the world. You can participate by watching live on Amanda's YouTube channel or on Google+. You can tweet us during the hangout using the hashtag pod hangout if you want to ask any questions you can email us beforehand and we'll answer those during the hangout you can watch it or you can listen to the audio afterwards as part of the iMake podcast subscription we're going to be talking about holiday crafts food and traditions from our different respective places in the world and if there's anything like we said that you would like to ask us then come and get uh, come and join in really I think it could be quite a good laugh. There is a blog post on the iMake blog that I will link to in the show notes so you can go check it out. But it would be lovely to see you there. And obviously you'll see what we look like in real life. I've just had my hair cut. So my hair is no longer Africanised and completely trashed, which is lovely. <laughs> and uh, you can come see us. Because when I met some of the South African ladies, they all said that I sounded like I had short blonde hair and I have long, sort of dark brown, ready hair. So... <laughs> completely not like you would expect but it would be lovely if you could join us if you have any questions about that then just tweet or email any of uh, the hostesses and I'm sure that we'll get back to you as soon as possible so in this episode we will not be having whipping Piccadilly that will come in the next episode but I could not resist the opportunity to do a pattern pick because again I really enjoyed the last one and I just find it hilarious researching things on Ravelry because there is a pattern for everything so if you're a little bit bored or you fancy a laugh I highly recommend you think of something random and put it in the pattern search in Ravelry and see what you get. This month or rather last month I'm celebrating the end of Movember which is, for those of you that don't know, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen a lot of dodgy tashes in the last month, but Movember is a movement that started in Melbourne in Australia a few years ago, and 
the gentlemen grow a moustache to raise awareness of men's health issues, in particular prostate and testicular cancers, because men tend to be the kind of creatures that don't go to the doctors with these issues. And it's to raise awareness and say, look, make sure you check your bits and go to the doctors if there's anything untoward. So I think this is a very good cause. Anything that, you know, helps people raise awareness about things that could potentially be a big problem for them, I'm all for. Not all for my husband himself growing a moustache. Primarily because it makes him look really creepy. And I know that is a shallow reason not to want your husband to grow a moustache. But my husband is terribly handsome, obviously. Hello, darling. I know you'll like that one. And he has a dark, dark browny hair, but he has a bit of the old kind of George Clooney silver fox look going on at the sides, which really suits him. And I think it looks really nice. But when he grows a tash, he has that mystery condition that many men are affected by. The ginger tash condition. Now I've got no problem with ginger tashes on people with ginger hair. But I think that your tash, it really should match the kind of hair that you have on your head. And there are quite a lot of people that when they grow a tash, it isn't the same colour. It isn't the same colour as the hair. And I just find that very odd. So <laughs> I have banned him from growing a moustache, but I have sponsored the man, those friends of mine who have very dark hair and can grow amazing tashes because they have a five o'clock shadow at like 11 o'clock in the morning. So I responded them instead. My other contribution to Movember and raising awareness of men's health issues amongst the knitting and crochet community is my pattern pick for this month. Now, you can get a surprising number of patterns for knitting moustaches. I thought this was quite a good idea, but then I kind of started to think laterally. I think I'd had some hot chocolate or something and got a bit giddy and decided that actually, no, I wasn't going to do knitting moustaches because it's too obvious, but... Given that they want to raise awareness of testicular and prostate cancer, I would cover the pattern pick of the thong. There is also another reason why I picked the thong, and it's because of a long-standing running joke with Jenny Fonsock and some of the other ladies on the uh, South Africa Ravelry group about knitted thongs. But I have also decided to be very brave in this one, and I have looked up crochet patterns as well. I'm not particularly a crocheter. I can do it, but I tend not to. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's quite good fun. So obviously I can't con comment on the pattern content or techniques involved or anything like that with the crochet. But seeing as I don't do that with the knitting anyway, I didn't think you would mind. I will say that the crocheters definitely have the edge over the knitters on the designs in this particular area. And I'm not entirely... <laughs> sure why but they do have a look you believe me you can get book thongs which I have never heard of but it is like a, a bookmark but it's like an i-cord bookmark so it's very thin and these mysterious devices called door thongs which do something to stop doors trapping fingers or something so yeah you could knit some of those clearly there are thong sandals which us UK people call flip-flops and the first pattern is a crochet pattern that unfortunately we can't have anymore because some nasty person kept copying it and selling it. Um, it is by Melissa McCurley and it looks really nice 
but obviously you can't crochet it but I've put that in the in the pick anyway because I really liked it I thought it was a bit of a shame that you know I can't get it because of some nasty person but don't worry if you like to do that kind of dodgy middle-aged man thing of wearing socks and flip-flops you can crochet yourself a thong sock by Julie Huston which is a free pattern it is a crochet sock and you can also knit yourself some thong socks which is a paid for pattern by Jackie Erickson Schweitzer and that is six dollars so you have the little kind of separation between your toe big toe and the other toe so you can get the flip-flop post in I'm kind of of the opinion that if it's hot enough to be wearing flip-flops you don't need socks but if you feel that you do if you want to wear socks and flip-flops it's a major fashion crime but it, everyone can do what they like in this podcast then those could be the pattern for you it starts to get slightly more dodgy from here on in it doesn't get to the stage of being explicit but if you don't want to explain the following terms to your small children I'm thinking you Rachel possibly then you may want to stop and skip on now like I said there is nothing explicit in there but the words peekaboo rubber and gimp mask may feature at some point <laughs> so make your decision based on that about whether you want to continue listening if you have small children around i'll give you a couple of seconds just to skip through that's your last warning the peekaboo thong set by sandy hagen who seems to be a quite a big name in the range of crocheted underwear slash lingerie pattern designs she's got quite a few on there they you know they're quite nice but i'm not entirely sure why you would need to crochet them as opposed to just going to Ann Summers and buying them but if you want a peekaboo crocheted thong set you can get a pattern for that it will cost you six us dollars also we have on the knitting front betty by joan mcgowan michael which is a knitted sort of garter belt type affair that you know it's like a kind of garter belt that has suspenders things on as well very impressive bit of engineering that must have been quite challenging to actually design and make all the little frills and everything on but I mean will it not stretch when you've got it on in terms of does it hold you in and will it hold your stockings up I'm not sure but it looks quite nice I don't think I'll be knitting one but go and check it out, it will cost you $4 for the pattern. Now, John McGowan Michael also did a men's thong the thong pattern for a men's thong. It was in Nitty Summer 2004 and it is a free pattern. It looks anatomically correct for the thong. And, you know, if, if you follow A wears thongs and B wants a knitted one, I think this would be quite a nice pattern to knit. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have, uh, it's when you read back through them afterwards and you know what you're going to start talking about and you get that pre-laugh thing. Um, 302 Calories by Dawn Payne. This is a knitting pattern and it is for a thong knitted out of strawberry laces. You know the sweeties, strawberry laces. It was in knitty.com. It's a free pattern and you knit, it's basically it turns into a pair of edible knickers like well edible thong it also gives you details about how to store it if you're not going to eat it right away 
I will not be knitting this one, but if you want some edible strawberry lace knickers, then that's the place to go for your pattern. Also, speaking on the whole HIV AIDS protect yourself thing, we have the Manthong pattern, with the exclamation on the end, by Amanda Gale. It is a free knitted pattern with a crochet edge, and it has a handy little pocket on the front for storing your protective equipment. So you will never be caught without the appropriate wear. It has, though, I-cord straps around the edge. Like the front is on in one big piece, but then like the kind of straps are in the edge and then the kind of back are made out of I-cord. So I'm not entirely sure how comfortable that will be. But like I say, you have a handy pocket for storing your equipment in the front, so that's quite good. And then we move swiftly on to, and <laughs> again, part of the reason why I ended up doing thongs rather than moustaches into the Y <laughs> section <laughs> and we have the Muppet Fur Thong by Emily Vanek. it's a knitted pattern it is free and it is a pattern for knitting a funky fur slash eyelash yarn thong for a teddy bear yes really so, if, if you have any stray funky fur lying around, or eyelash yarn, and a teddy bear that clearly needs a thong, and I'm not entirely sure you would explain that to anyone else that saw it, then this is the pattern for you. And it put me in mind of the Bad Taste Bears, which sort of came, started appearing in places in the UK. I'm not entirely sure when. And... I wasn't entirely sure why until I researched it, and I will share that research with you. But these are basically, you know, you have like forever friends, and they're kind of nice, and they hold hands. And then you have like the little meaty you bears, the little grey ones, and they're quite cute, like the little tatty teddy. Well, this is neither of those. These are basically teddy bears that you can get in kind of card shops, like Clinton's and what have you. That, you know, they have kind of genitals and which is wrong on a teddy bear full stop but then they have like rubber underpants on or gimp masks or whips or handcuffs and you just think well, at what point did some guy come into his boss and go I tell you what boss this is going to be a great idea have a sit down let me tell you about how we're going to make these bears with gimp masks on and sell them in card shops and people are going to love them but quite apparently people do I've never honestly seen the utility in them because I just think the whole kind of juncture between a teddy bear which is like a child's toy and a rubber underpants and a gimp mask are things that should never really go together but clearly some people like them bad taste bears is a quite an accurate descriptor i will i'll, I'll share with you from from the badtastebears.co.uk website about bad taste bears Late one night in 1994 peter underhill an illustrator and graphic designer from coventry explains a lot, was designing a range of cutesy bears to be printed onto little girls' pyjamas. To clear his head after becoming all cuted out, he drew his first ever bad taste bear. Hey kiddies, here's the chainsaw bear. He enjoyed drawing it so much that he started putting a list together and drawing and painting bears in interesting, inverted commas, situations as a release for his twisted imagination. I have no idea where Peter Underhill is now. 
he's probably on a sex offenders register. He's almost certainly quite a weird chap. But that is apparently where they came from, the idea for it. Now, I will be staying well clear of Coventry from now on till we know the whereabouts of this strange individual. But if teddy bears and gimp mass is your thing, then Bad Taste Bears is the website to check out. I will put that in the show notes if you want to go and have a look. Again, I would not look at it when you have young children around or if you are of a sensitive disposition I would probably give looking at it a miss but yeah interesting one so anyway that was the pattern pick for Movember or celebrating the end of Movember all of those can be found in the my Ravelry queue I will make a list a set of the mice I have done with the other ones and you can go check them out and have a look if you like if you decide to make any of them I would love to see the finished results so please do share them with the shiny bees podcast group if you do so we will also not be doing the south africa section in this episode we do have i'm very pleased and very excited to tell you an interview with Carlay from Nurturing Fibres. I went to visit Carlay when I was down in Cape Town and we went on the try and ride to Fishhook, which I told you about might have been the last episode. And on one of the other days we went out to see a studio on our farm out in Philadelphia, which is to the north of Cape Town. We had tea and cake and chat around, sat around and chatted and some of the other South African ladies were also there. It was really nice to meet them and have an atta with them. And we got to talking about Stash, thinking about being separated from my Stash. And the reason why I've decided to limit the Stash to only three boxes is for the following reason. We were there and we were, <laughs> I don't know how we got on about knitting people's stashes when they die. Carla has a very good friend, Pink Hair Girl, who is also on Ravelry. I sort of assumed that Pinky would do all of the knitting of the stash should Carla come to some unfortunate end, which obviously we all hope that she doesn't. But Pinky then piped up, oh, well, you know, if Carla died, I wouldn't knit all of her stash. And I was sort of like, that's terrible you guys are meant to be like bestest buddies and everything and you're a knitter and I just sat there thinking to myself I can't believe she's not gonna knit all of her stash that is like terrible how are they even still friends and the reason why became abundantly clear when I was introduced to Carle's stash Carle has more cashmere stash in her stash than I have stash full stop the amount of stash that Carle has is not, she'll never knit it all. And if she died, then there's no way Pinky would ever knit it all. If she started knitting right now this minute and all the rest of us joined in, we wouldn't knit it all. So it wasn't that she was being mean, it was just a kind of, the laws of physics do not permit me to knit all of this stash before I die myself type situation. Which obviously made it a bit easier to kind of, you know, get your head around that then. So that was when I decided that actually there must be a limit to the stash. But it's she tells me it is all for research purposes and you know she is a dyer, so I can I can totally roll with that. Contents of the interview are coming up. 
There will be quite a few bits of edits out of it because there was a lot of giggling and mocking about in between and me not being able to concentrate because I was surrounded by so much yarn, I was sort of totally maxed out. And I will put some of the pictures of her little studio on the blog probably next week as a separate blog post for you to have a nosy at because it was very nice. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll be back to speak to you after this. So we are here today, I'm I am not editing, I'm interviewing Harley from Nurturing Fibres and we are also in the company of Lady who is her elderly sheepdog. So Harley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, it's so nice to be with you Jo. So we've had some tea and some cake and we are sat in Carle's studio. I shall take some pictures because it is very nice. I think I will spend all of my time in here just <laughs> knitting and making things. And she showed us her stash. Are we allowed to take a picture of your stash and like, show everyone else or is it like secret? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have to open the boxes? We don't have to open the boxes. Oh, then it's alright. <laughs> I think it's just kind of like stash justification for most people. Okay, but then so. we just need to let everybody know that it's not just um, wool, it's also rovings for spinning. Okay. Like that makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously does. <laughs> so, Carly is a indie dyer, and you've heard that before on the other podcasts because I've talked about it at length before. So, Carla, how did you get into dyeing in the first place? I started spinning. I, um, I found an old spinning wheel in a shop and I decided to buy it. And from there, I went for lessons and met up with people from the Weavers Guild and then started weaving. And then I started dyeing because I couldn't find the colours I wanted for weaving. And then the addiction just started. And um, I always knew I wanted to dye sock wool but couldn't find, and when I finally found some, I started dying, and then I had to sell my surplus, because my stash would have been a hundred times bigger than it is right now. It is a very sizable stash. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mine, it's allowed to be big. Yeah. So at what point did you decide that you are going to go from being a dye for your own person, personal use, into more of a kind of commercial venture and sharing? I just had too much. I just enjoyed the colour so much, and it was very healing for me. So I just I just kept dying, and I reached a point where I had so much. Well, much is relative, because at that point in my life, having 20 balls was a lot. <laughs> and so I had like 20 skeins, and I knew that while I'd enjoyed dyeing them, they weren't all necessarily the colours that I would want to knit up myself. So I started gifting them to friends, and then friends asked me for more. So I just started dyeing up more, and it was before the sock revolution, so I didn't think it would really ever amount to anything. So I was sort of somewhat surprised. Yeah. Sort of like the lady who wrote the um, Harry Potter stories. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> do, do you know that she was a billionaire and she was still catching buses? I can believe it. Because she just kept thinking, at some point, people are going to realise it's just a book. And that's kind of how I feel about dying. I feel at some point people are going to realise it's just yarn. But I suppose it's not. No, it's not. It's never just yarn, no, is it's it? Not. It's never, no, just, no. never just yarn. No. Otherwise, we wouldn't be insulating our houses with boxes of yarn. Yeah. yeah. Where do you get your inspiration from when you're dyeing your yarn? Sure. My inspiration comes from so many different areas. Um, it can be the seasons, which is what the clubs are about, the seasons. It can be something that's happened in my life. It can just be me just going into my zone and just getting out the colours and playing. Um, very often it's getting into my zone. 
So I just bring out the colors and I just start putting them on and I just let the yarn talk to me. And then I see where it goes. Oh, that's quite clever. Yeah. I think that yarn dyeing is not a monkey see, monkey do thing. It's mm. not taking a yarn and saying, this is the recipe and this is the way I do it. When you finally do get to do a dyeing course with me, you'll see it's really about just letting yourself go. Sort of very often you'll feel like, oh, like me, teal's not my color. But yet the dyeing of teal is something quite expressive for me. Mm. So some people would never ever knit in yellow, but dyeing in yellow could make them very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because they say color does affect your moods. It and... does, yeah. So it's just trusting the process and not putting a, a value to the, the raw material because then you go where your heart goes and when you follow your heart then you make something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So quite often when you send your yarns, like your club yarns, you'll have a picture. Yes. So that explains how the colours came about. Yes. yes. Does the picture come before the yarn or does it come, is the picture in your head and then you find the picture after the yarn? Um, I have a sense of what I want to do. Mm. Um, so the one that we did the last time, which was a sooty blanket, I knew that I wanted to do something which was a grassroots kind of experience for me. And I was looking quite a lot at the ladies from, are they Namibian, the ladies who paint their faces red? Yeah. I so. So, so I looked at that quite a bit, and that was where my mind was. And I was totally fixated on that and then by chance I, oh and then I decided I had the baby so then mm. I thought no let's actually get a photograph of a mother with a baby on her back and then use that because that's something which is where I'm at now mm. and so then I started searching for blankets and then thought of what about a Basutu woman because mm. they have such beautiful blankets and I went that way and then I saw that picture and I just I just looked at the field with the striations in the background and I could just see it as a yarn because mm. you can come across beautiful photographs but they don't interpret well into a dyed yarn yeah and then I just thought that's it so it's very much starting from a point but trusting the process to where it goes yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds very open but for me it is a very open thing I mean it is it's I am by nature of who I am a person who just kind of trusts processes so it's just trusting the process yeah hmm. it's good I very much like that yarn. I think my favorite one of yours was the fire one Oh, that was fabulous. That, yeah, that's the one that started the whole addiction, I think. Which colour in it? I liked all of it, and okay. I liked the way it goes together. Yes, it was beautiful. And they're not, like, kind of greys and oranges and yellows and purples are not colours I would use, but the way that they all went together. And I think some of the projects, actually, on the group, make you realise what you can do with the yarn. When yes. it's it's... You would think a self-striping yarn, I'm, I'm going to do socks with it, and they're going to be really nice stripes, and, and that's going to be it. But people use it in very different ways, which gives mm. you a lot of ideas, I think. Mm. Do you find that inspiring when you're dying as well? Um, definitely. I find that people's response to what I do to be so motivating. I mean, mm. it's just it's amazing to have a bunch of people who just love it, because I love it. And when you do something that you love and you have people who validate that by loving it back, it's really special. So, yeah. so it's it's yeah it's deep for me. Yeah. yeah, and you must have a lot of um, inspiration here because this country is very beautiful, and there are so many differences in it, and it's so colourful. Yes, in everything it does. Um, even the sunlight looks different to me here, but I suppose it is a different hemisphere. Well, because we get it here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> we get an awful lot of it in the popo. Um, that I think when I look at it, I think I can see how people, how the artists get inspired because everything's so beautiful and the colours are so bright. 
she never really gets there's a um it's kind of hush hush at the moment but Mm. there's a lady starting an online shop Mm. and i'm going to be doing a range for her which are western province based so yeah so you'll be able to for example what depends on the colors we ultimately choose but i love the Mm. sort of the raggedness of Cape Point and mm. and the beautiful heathers and ericas. So there'll be some exciting stuff coming up there. That's going to be great. Um, exciting. So that will be capturing this. Yeah. I'm just thinking, how much stuff can I fit back in the crate to export back to the UK? <laughs> well, um, we can always post direct if need be. Yeah. And you do post worldwide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like yeah. In exchange for maple candy normally. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, oh, what's my next thought? Yeah, so we'll go on to the cake bit. If you were a cake, Carle, what kind of cake would you be? I think I would be a chiffon cake Ooh. because I think a chiffon cake is a very light cake and um, and I think my heart is very light yeah. and I'm very light-hearted. <laughs> so I think I'd be that, um, but I'd have to have a lot of colour in it. So if I think of like a, a cake or like like macaroons I love macaroons but I hate the fact that they put these fake colorants in them yeah so my cake couldn't have fake colors in it it would have to have natural colors like the natural strawberries and granadillas mm. so kind of see this sort of chiffon cake with these little layers of like the sort of jammy layers and it could be strawberry and then granadilla and what else blackberry <laughs> <laughs> what else chocolate I don't think chocolate would work with the fruit but but yeah, it'd be something like that. And then I'd have to top it off with some really nice um, buttercream, butter oh. icing. <laughs> you like your big cakes here, definitely. <laughs> Every time you go to a coffee shop, the cake is enormous. <laughs> but you only need to cut a thin slice, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was my next thought? It's gone completely out of my head now. Oh yeah, the bases that you use for your yarns. Yes. Are they all South African or do you source from different areas? Um, everything is South African except for my cashmere. Yeah. They are starting to have a South African cashmere, but I'm not convinced on the quality because it's we don't have the altitude to get the fineness. Yeah. So but yeah, otherwise it's all South African. My um little bit of luxury yarn that I put in the soft club is imported. Mm. Yeah. Because it needs to be, yeah. Well that's good. Yes. And do you have people that work here at the studio to help you? Yes, Nalundi. She's my my right hand, she's she's amazing. She prepares all my skeins. So in the morning, I'll say to her, today we'll dye 20 skeins, and she'll pre-wet them for me and wash them for me. So when I get to them, I just have to have the fun. And then after that, <laughs> she does the rest again. But I guess you teach her as well at the same time. Yeah, she's a bit nervous about getting her hand in the dye. Um, mm. But every now and again, I'll say to her, come on, there's one skein left. You do something with it. And then we put it in the studio, and we'll put her name on it. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, but it, her hand is very different to mine. Mm. You know, it's it's very interesting to see what she comes up with. And my boys also do a bit of dyeing. Really? Sure. <laughs> um, you can usually see theirs. It's nothing here at the moment. Theirs has usually got like lime green and orange, or it's just, <laughs> it's very kiddified. Yeah. Usually people look and go, oh my gosh, where did this come from? What were you thinking, Carlo? <laughs> All it was was the boys went, well, like these two crayons, I'll copy that. (laughs) (laughs) But they have fun with the dyes. Oh, that's good. It's nice them to get involved, I think, because they enjoy helping as well a lot of the time. Yeah, they're very kind. Oh, bless. Did you see my sheep when you came in? I did see your sheep. Aren't they gorgeous? Yeah, Yeah. and I had to be very careful not to accidentally run over one of the little baby chicks. Oh, 
Yeah, I thought that would be very good. Hi, Carly. Nice to see you. Sorry we're late. Ran over your chicken. <laughs> it wouldn't have gone down that well. So. Our sheep, we, um, we keep the fibre from them, and I'm yet to mm. send it away. Um, but they're rescue sheep because the yeah. black merinos get slaughtered out here. Ah, right. Because yeah. the hair colour contaminates the, 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 what do you call it, the shearing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we, when we see one on the field, we go and speak to the farmer. And then he says, okay, you can buy it. And you put it on the scale and you just pay per kilogram what you would pay, get at the abattoir. Oh, it's right. weird buying something by the kilo. It's kind of like choosing a husband and putting it on the scale. Well. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit odd. But yes, yeah, so that's how we got them. Oh, yeah, they're very sweet. Nice. And the little white one was a baby last year. Yeah. yeah. So do you have plans for the fleece? Or? I do. I think ultimately I'd like to do a range called Shepherd Sock. Hmm. But it won't be um it won't be super washed, so mm. you know. Not really ideal for sock but maybe for shawls. Yeah. They've got a nice low micron, so it's good quality. So I'm playing at the moment with some of your new yarn, Carlo, a new base. What other new yarns have you got coming out? Well I've got some yarns in order from the factory, but they're waiting for big orders because I have to slip in at the back of the big orders. So once that happens, then I'm going to be bringing out a um, a slabby chunky. That's the one you've got in your hand, isn't it? So yummy. I've been playing with it for about half an hour. <laughs> Just pulled it through my fingers. I think I'm going to have to give you that one to take home with you. You can't because I'll never get anything done. I'll just be sat there going, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> it's um, 98% merino and then it's got that thin thread in the middle, which is a support thread, um, which makes it possible for them to do the slabby. So I've got that coming out. And then there's a um, two new um, fingering weights. Mm. The one is absolutely beautiful. It is pure wool and it has the same yardage as a fingering, but when you knit it up, it blooms. Mm. So it looks like a DK. Yeah. So it'll be lovely for little babies' clothes. So I'm going to do a little mm. baby range with that. Oh. But again, it depends on whether the factory gets big orders. So this is just yeah. my vision. Mm. And then I have a, um, a linen... Um, viscose wool blend also in a fingering and then what I did launch last week is my new double knit which mm. is a cotton oh yes yes the cotton so I'm very excited about that and um, that should be available um, in some of the shops by the end of next month oh brilliant yes. and are they all South African shops or do you stock in the UK or I do sell in the UK I sell to addicted to knit which is an online shop oh I will put the link in the show notes. Okay, thank you. Yeah. It's Lee. Her name's Lee. She's an ex-South African. Ah, right. Mm. Well, she's probably still South African, but she doesn't live in South Africa anymore. <laughs> I suppose so, yes. <laughs> Rather than being ex-South African. It's like, I don't want to be a South country, African so anymore. We, 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 we've, we've thrown you away. We're yeah. done. <laughs> oh, I get a lot of emails from South Africans who are expats who've moved away, and they just say, oh, we miss South Africa. We love hearing about what you're up to. So I'll have to run it when I get back. Definitely, and I'll put in the show notes for anyone who wants to order direct. Thank you. There. Thank you. But I also do sell online, but I've mm. been very slack with my, my shop. I've just had too much on the go with having had the baby. Yeah, mm. but you can always get things through the group. Yes, you can. As well. Yeah, so people just have a group. pop me a note on Ravelry. Yeah. And would you like some new group members? Are you happy for people to come over and say hello? I love people to pop over and say hello. Yeah. Um, we're such a social group, and it's not mm. just about my yarn. It's about so much more. It's about connecting and sharing ideas and um, supporting each other. So, yes, the more the merrier is what I say. 
Yeah, it's very friendly. And definitely there's loads of good ideas on there. There's some very talented knitters in the group. Oh, there's some wonderful knitters. When I see what people do with my yarn, I just, and I end up amazed. Just to think it was just a ball. Yeah. And I look at it, it's the most exquisite shawl. So. If you're going to move to a desert island and you could only take one thing with you, what would you take? My sheep. One. One sheep. Have you got a favourite sheep? Yes, it would have to be Ruby, which is the, the one that's predominantly black. Yeah. Mm. I saw her oh, in the her, field. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, Ruby. <laughs> the reason I'd take her was, I firstly, I'd hope she's pregnant, so yeah. we can get more. Um, I could make a spindle quite easily, so <laughs> I could spin some yarn. Um, you can drink sheep's milk. Can you? Yes. It oh. um, makes them this fabulous cheese, and I do like my dairy, so mm. I need that. Um, and... Um, and if I was cold, I could cuddle her. Yeah. It should keep me warm. You'll be very warm, I think. Yeah. She has nice fur, but please, please. not fur. <laughs> so that's what I would take. What would you oh. take? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> You're not supposed to ask me that. <laughs> not a clue. For us, anyway. Like, Gin. <laughs> I never took my children with me. <laughs> Is that the first thing you think of, and then you feel terribly guilty afterwards? <laughs> I mean, it's quite a thing to choose your, your fibre over your, your child. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, we had a question recently in, in a party. We had to do, like, Mr and Mrs. Okay. Um, where you had to, your husband had to answer questions um, with the answers that he thought you would give to certain questions rather okay. than his own answers. And the one that he got for me was, if there was a fire in your house, what would Joe save? And um, he got most of it right, which was the stash. <laughs> the sewing machine. And then he got stuck. Um, but I actually saved our dogs as well. Because I kind of okay. assumed we'd carry the baby out with us, you know. It's not actually be on our own. Um, but because the dogs are not in South Africa, he was thinking about in a South African house. Oh, uh, so that's what would have said. Yeah, so that's why he got stuck. Otherwise, he was like, well, I would have obviously said that before. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we should ask you if there was a fire in your house, what three what things would you say? Well, my children. <laughs> um, well, I have too much stash, but my, mm. my, my boxes are very well marked. So I'd mm. probably take my stash that said naturally died, because mm. most of those I died with mm. natural... Um, with plants and stuff that I collected. Yeah. So I would take that, definitely. I would take um, the painting that my granny did for me when I turned 12. Yeah. Because it's a cosmos. Maybe I should do that, that as a colorway, actually. And um, on the back she wrote, um, stay as beautiful as you are, just like these beautiful cosmos. Love, oh, granny. Wow. So I'd take that. Yeah. Um, how many things? Three. Three, yeah. Um... My knit pros. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my knit pros. Yeah, because they're much harder to get hold of here, I think. I've got the rosewood. <gasps> oh, very yeah. nice. So they would have to, they'd have to be removed. Maybe I could grab my crochet needle. <laughs> yeah. Away. Could put that in my pocket and yeah. pretend it wasn't. It was always there. Yeah, well, they could be in, in the bag with the rosewoods or in the box. Oh, yes, maybe I'll take a basket of knitting accessories. Yeah. Yes, that's You could just kind of not get smoke inhalation and skip around the house picking up the essentials. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh. th those would be, I think, mine. So, Colette, what is your favourite <clears throat> colour? Yellow. Yellow? Yellow. Really? Yes. I would not have said that. Because you could normally tell someone's favourite colour from, or what they like from the Ravelry projects. Um, sure. That's what I think, anyway. Well, then, what did you think my favourite colour was? 
It's difficult because clearly you like a lot of colours. Yeah. I know which colours you don't really like, mm. but I thought you'd maybe be more towards neutrals, even though you're quite a colourful personality. I do like neutrals, but I think the place of neutrals is to tone down something. Oh. So you'll most probably find that with a lot of my projects, I'll be using, like, for example, pink, but then I'll throw some brown in. Mm. Because it just, like, roots it down. I think it makes it quite sort of... It keeps the, the vibrancy of the colour without it becoming cheap. Yeah. Because I think that bright can really quickly become cheap. Um, but definitely yellow. Um, it's not a colour I'd wear, but if I choose flowers, if I choose... What else? Well, flowers. Mm -hmm. And I would go with, with the yellow. Um, after that, for wearing, it's sort of an aubergine colour. Mm -hmm. uh, like blues, but clear blues. I don't like blues with... Um, with touches of yellow in, so I don't go for the teals at all. Mm -hmm. um, I had Tupperware with teal lids, and I even had curtains, gingham check curtains, when mm -hmm. I first got married in teal and white, so I'm just so done with teal, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't go for black as a norm, mm -hmm. I like charcoals, and I don't like hot colours, like luminous colours. Yeah. yeah, I like most. Yeah, see? <laughs> yes, I do, but yellow is my go-to. Hmm. Yeah. Because I think your projects do have a lot of different colours in. Yeah, oh, it depends hmm. who I knit for. Like hmm. the, um, the, the pearl yarn that I did was really not me. It's sort of not a colour, yeah. that, but yet I knitted it for my mum-in-law. Yeah. But I dyed it with my mum-in-law in mind. So. But I would definitely have said that about the pearl one, because it's very pale, sort of pink and pale blue and... Like a pale, like pearly colour, really. It's not white, it's pearly. Well, it's not pink and blue, really. <laughs> it's, it's actually a pink with a touch of peach in, because pink mm. and blue was in in the 80s. So yeah. it kind of could really look granny-fied very quickly. So, yeah. so I threw a bit of peach in. It's more peachy pink, mm. and the blue is more of a turquoise. So it, it, was, a, it was a modern take on the combo of the two colours. Yeah. See, that's why you dye yarn and I just got, it's a bit pink. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> well, it's I, very pretty. It's very pretty. I, I definitely realise that I have an eye for colour and I think that's why people don't just ever get to a point where they think it's just the art. Mm. You know, whereas I, on some level, assume that everybody can get to that point with colours. But I, nobody wants to. No. So. Because you can't, I mean, I'm very specific about the colours that I like and I like very bright things, and I just don't think you can find them at all in commercial yarns to the standard that I like and the intensity of colours. But you do quite a lot of very intense colours of different mixes, all different colours, but I think they're very... It's like, like I said when I said living here, all the colours are really mm -hmm. bright. I find your, your yarns are really kind of intense to look, look you at can, You can take a ball of yarn and you can put it in a pot mm -hmm. and you can call that dyed. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that yarn afterwards, it will tend to have somewhat of a flat appearance. Yeah. Whereas if you take a yarn and you put it in that pot and you put a colour on it, and then from there you take it and you start building on top of that, you get this sort of luminosity through the yarn. It has a reflection. And it's because the different colours pick up different, or the, the, the light picks up the different depths, so the yarn actually looks deeper. What it you does. said. That's what I meant. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, and commercially dyed yarn can never have that. No. Um, now, if you look at my yarns, some of my yarns are just dyed as a one one mm. colour level, and you'll very quickly see the difference. Now mm. that we've spoken about it, we can walk around later and I'll show you. 
but like the um, the Basuti. Mm. Now that red, I think, was dyed like eight times to get that level. It's very nice red. Mm. It's a beautiful mm. red. I really love it. I wish I wrote recipes because I'd repeat that red. Yeah, I'm so glad I have quite a lot of it. I'm <laughs> going to make a stripe study with it with that and jelly bean for the stripes so that is going to be quite colourful oh yes it is but it's going to be but red's my favourite colour oh is it yeah and that's a nice red <laughs> did you see the one that Pumisa knitted she yeah. did that shawl she was wearing it on the train yeah it was that was amazing beautiful it was a Stephen West pattern yeah it was like the grey it was the was it the pony grey and the grey. red yes because without the other colours in it the red came down to the pony grey sort mm. of level whereas if you put it next to a bright colour it, it lifts it up yes. as well it's very versatile red because it has a touch of um of an earthing colour in which would either be a black or a uh, brown just to earth it down so it can yeah. shift either way yeah mm. i see it, like you say it's not just kind of wang it in a pot and microwave it and hope it comes out a colour no, there's not. quite a lot of thought to, that goes into it what i like when a skein is hand dyed is that if you took that skein and you had to photograph it in black and white that your level of saturation would be about the same the whole way through because when you look at a colorful skein if you for example got um like red and blue um they will look obviously very different in color but when they're black and white then the the variance is not so 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 severe i suppose you'd say um now what a lot of dyes will do is they will have lighter section much lighter sections mm. Um, and that doesn't appeal to me at all. Yes. To me, it's almost like um, not ensuring that you get 100% dye coverage. Mm. Um, so if you're not being that pedantic about your dye coverage, then you, you, you leave those so that if you have an error on the one side of the skein or somewhere, it just blends into the, mm. into the, the, the yarn. And I don't like it. I like a full colour saturation. You'll very, very seldom see on one of my yarns that there is a, a white or a cream. Mm. Which is what I like. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I find that it also can detract too much from the pattern. Yeah. You want to sort of you want the yarn to be well when you when you knit, it's like doing a painting. You don't leave parts of your canvas bare. Mm. You cover the whole thing. So I have that respect for the knitter that they want to get that, that colour that when you look at it, it just sort of flows into each other and it draws your eye across. Mm. Um, so that's why I dye the way that I do. So I hope you enjoyed that interview and the insight into Carly's world of yarn. And that brings us on to the end of the podcast for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it and any changes in acoustics, now that I actually have carpets where I am, and I'm spinning around on the world the other way around in the other hemisphere, have not been too distracting for you. But I will look forward to seeing or speaking to you next week, remember the 8th of December for the podcast The Hangout. And other than that, maybe the week after for another Shiny Bees podcast. So thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week. Happy crafting. See you soon. Bye. This thing right here is letting all the ladies know what guys talk about. You know, the finer things in life. <laughs> Check it out. Ooh, that dress so scandalous. And you know I never couldn't handle it. So you're shaking that thing like who's the ish with the look in your eyes so devilish. Uh, you like to dance on the hip hop spots. To the cruise, like connect the dots. Not just urban, she liked the pop. Cause she was living la vida loca. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. 
thighs like wah, wah, wah. Baby, move your butt, butt, butt. I think I'll sing it again. She had humps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like wah, wah, wah. All night long. Let me see that Scandalous, and I know I never handle it.